Amen. Come on, come on. That's, we got some serious praise going on here today. Amen. All right. I want to give thanks for our band. They are a talented group of believers. I give thanks. Amen. All right. Yeah. All right. I want to start off. I'm going to hurl some questions your way. You're not going to have time to consult with your neighbor. You're not going to have time to pray about it. I just want you from your gut instinct just to answer it. Are you with me? Because it's no fun without you. Are you with me? All right, here we go. Here we go. How many of you, let's just be honest here. Let's just be honest. How many of you could honestly say, you know what, in my life, I would like some nicer, better, more, better stuff, nicer stuff. I like those things in my life right now. Come on, raise your hand if you're, if, just be honest. And how about this? I would like some more money to help me get some of that more, nicer stuff. Yes, come on. Okay, raise your hand. Yeah, all right. How about this? How, about, how many of you would like to walk out of here today with a million dollars? How many? Very good. Very good. If your hand's... Not up right now, and I saw a couple of you didn't raise your hand. I'm assuming you do not want to look under your chair right now because I placed an envelope. <laughs> Why is no one looking? There's only one person. Matthew, look. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. He, he believes me. Thank you, Matt. We appreciate that. All right, so a million dollars. We all want a million dollars. I want to be a millionaire. Yeah. How many of you, just, you know, just, just answering these questions instinctively from the gut, how many of you say, you know what, for a million dollars, if I could have a million dollars next year, I'd work an extra 10 hours a week for a million dollars. Come on. Okay. All right, how about 20 hours more a week to make a million dollars next year? Anyone here? We got a few hard workers here. Okay, all right. All right, let's talk about travel. Who here, if, if your employer said to you, look, you got to travel next year for a third of the year, but you'll get a million dollars, how many of you would say, I'll, I'll travel, I'll do that? Some of you are like, I'm already doing that right now. So, all right. Okay, let's make it a little more difficult. If you're not married, this would be a no-brainer for you. If you are married, especially with kids, this may be tough. How many would you say, now think about this, a million dollars, it would change the rest of your life. It would change the rest of your life for a legacy, you know, money. How many of you say, uh, I would travel for a year, I don't get to see my kids, I don't get to see my spouse, uh, but I'm gone for a whole year. Some of you are like, that's pretty good, all right, yeah. <laughs> Y'all need, y'all need therapy. Y'all need marriage help. All right. But you don't, you don't get to see your family. You just got to travel for a whole year. Now, you come back in a year. You don't get to see them. No FaceTime, nothing. But you're, a, but you're a millionaire when you come back. How many of you would be willing to do that, go away for a year? Renee, where's your hands up? Yeah, Renee's ready to go. <laughs> she's, she's already walking out the door right now. She's, uh, in her mind, she's already gone, so. All right, so let's just continue. We're just having a little fun here. How many of you would do something dangerous for a million dollars? Dangerous, yeah. Like one in 500 chance you're going to die dangerous. You still do it. Anyone? One in 100 chance you're going to die if you do it. Anyone? Chickens. Okay, how about one in 10? One in 10 will die, but you get a million dollars. Anybody? All right, right over here we got a gentleman. All right, there we go. We got one. Okay. All right, let's make it a little more tough, a little more difficult. How many of you would compromise your integrity for a million dollars? Now, I don't know where your imagination is going, but this is where I'm going, all right. All you have to do is lie one time. Just lie in the job interview. Tell them you got some credential that you really don't, 
And only you, now they would never find out, only you and God would know. And you get a million dollars because you told a lie that only you and God would know. Come on, how many of you would say, oh yeah, I'm lying. <laughs> now a lot of you ain't raising your hand, and we know that you're lying. You're lying right now. <laughs> All right. All right. So how many of you would, this is the last one, like, the doctor will do it. You go under the knife. You won't feel a thing, but you come out of surgery looking like this, no pinky. Give up your pinky for a million dollars. How many would do it? No pain. I'd give up both of them. Come on. How often do you use your pinky? Huh? Come on. Okay. So after seeing all the hands go up during this little questioning time, uh, I think that y'all really do need a message today. I do. So turn to your neighbor right now and say, pay attention today. You need this. Okay, yeah. Pay attention now. Now, now look, I want to tell you a little confession. Almost every week uh, on Sunday when Renee and I do the debriefing on how the message went, because every Sunday she gives it to me whether I ask for it or not. She will always say, usually always say, you wrote that message for you, didn't you? Because, and that's true. So this message is for me. I'm glad you came along. I'm glad you're online checking it out. But this message is for me because I need this message today about gratitude, okay? So let me ask you another question just as a way of setting this all up. How many of you, and think about your last week. Think about it. You've been, been here for, for a week. How many of you complained at all last week about a blessing that you have in your life? How many of you complained? Okay. Apparently, some of y'all are still lying. It's okay. All right. So I just took, what I did was I said, I'm going to take one day out of the week. So I took last Tuesday. Now, last Tuesday, I have teach two Bible studies, 1.30 and 7 to 8. So at 8 o'clock, I get off. I'm, I'm done with Bible study, and I call it Baby Doll. She has not had dinner. And when it's late and Baby Doll hasn't had dinner, this is what the order is, number one at Whataburger, okay? Number one. No mustard, substitute mayo, no cheese. That's number one, baby doll, all the way, right? Cheese, no, no, no cheese, and a Diet Coke. Anyway, whatever. So, but she says, let's go to Whataburger. Let's enjoy the ambiance and the fine dining experience <laughs> that you get at Whataburger. They give you a little number. You get your little table. So we go there. It's Tuesday night. It's like 8.30. We're there. We got a little number. And we're sitting there waiting and waiting. And I'm like, man, it's been like three and a half minutes since they have brought my food. What is taking them so long? I see them up there goofing around the counter. They should be cooking. And here it comes. Here comes the food. And they bring you a little condiment tray. Would you like some ketchup? Yes, I'm taking it all. All of it. Right? And then we drove home in Baby Doll's paid-for car. Oh, it's paid for. Oh, yeah. Because I hate car payments. It's paid for. We drove home that nice little baby doll car. And we push a little button, and a little door opens up, and we slide our car in, and we push another little button, the door comes down. And then we step into our climate-controlled environment, our beautiful home. And then we complain as we're walking into the door. We complain about, man, can you believe how much gas is these days? Especially if you're putting premium gas in your baby doll's car because she's got to have premium gas. Have you noticed gas has gone up? The government says it's gone up, inflation's only 6%. Where is the government shopping? <laughs> Have they been to H-E-B lately? 
So anyway, we complain about that, how high gas is. We're walking in the house complaining. And then we go over to the fridge because you've got to have a little dessert. I don't want no apple pie. We've got to have some M&Ms or something for dessert. So we open up the fridge, look for a little pie. And what do we do? We look at all the food and what do I do? Man, there's no dessert in here. And we complain about how there's no dessert. And then, oh, Renee has this uh, parent-teacher conference thing on Wednesday. And so she's she says, come back here with me. I want to show you something. So we go back to her little, her walk-in closet. It's not a little closet. It's a walk-in. You walk around. Walk around. You get lost in there. My little closet, my, that's, mine's like a little tiny one, but hers walk-in. You don't need that much, honey. You go. So, and this is what she does. Oh, my gosh. I got this conference tomorrow. And she does this as she goes down and goes, I have all these clothes. And she says it, say it with me, ladies, and I have nothing to wear. It don't look like you got nothing to wear. I don't see empty cupboards. Nothing to wear. That was just one day last week. It's amazing how blessed we can be and yet how ungrateful we can be at the same time. Are you with me, church? And i got to be honest with you, I, by nature, I am not a very grateful person. It just doesn't come natural to me. My mom, every Thanksgiving, man, my mom, every Thanksgiving, my Aunt Debbie would make the green bean casserole. And she didn't put no bacon bits on it, no. Just had that weird gravy sauce on it, and it tasted, well, it wasn't good. I hope Aunt Debbie ain't watching right now. Sometimes she tunes in. I love you, Aunt Debbie. <laughs> but, you know, when you're six, you don't want green beans. I don't want green beans at 51, to be honest. And my mom would always say, now, what do you say for that extra helping of green bean casserole? Thanks. And, you know, I'll tell you this, miniature schnauzers do not eat green bean casserole. I tried. I put it in the napkin. Dog be like, uh-uh, Yeah. So I want to show you a very interesting story about gratitude from Luke's gospel. Luke was a physician who wrote the gospel of Luke. It's in chapter 17, starting in verse 11. We're going to read this story. And this is actually a description of very ungrateful people um, and how they had un ungrateful attitudes. So Luke reports the story this way. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus was always walking and he was always walking to the cross. On his way, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, there were, help me out here, how many people met him? There were, I'm giving you away if you don't know it. There's, I still got my pinky. Come on now. Ten. Ten men who met him and they had leprosy. And they stood at a distance because you talk about social distance. When you had leprosy, you had the social distance. And they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Can you heal us? Rabbis were who you went to for healing. You didn't go to a, a doctor. You went to a priest or a rabbi. That's how you got healed in biblical times. So now you, you don't really understand leprosy today because none of us woke up and go, boy, my leprosy is really acting up today. We don't have that because there's a little pill called doxycycline or tetracycline that cures leprosy. Uh, but anyhow, in biblical times, Leviticus 13, they act, the Jews had written a health code book about what to do if you have leprosy. And so this is what they had to do. They had to tear their clothing, right, to show that they were unclean so that you could see from a distance, stay away from them. 
They always had to close their mouth because they didn't want to infect anybody. You talk about wearing a mask. They had to close their mouths. They, they always had to have their hair look bad. It's a weird passage, Leviticus 13, look it up. And they always had to cry out whenever they were walking around, unclean, unclean. They had to shout it out, unclean. Now you imagine, this might actually be beneficial. I was thinking about this the other day. There was a long line at HEB <laughs> at the checkout. Unclean, coming through. People would be scattering. <laughs> but people did scatter because they didn't want leprosy. It was contagious, and you didn't want it. It's the same thing I do when I come home from the gym. Renee makes me do this. I stink. I stink. I have to announce it. That's true. It's true. I thought that was funny. Nobody else did. So leprosy, they had social pressure. They had to, you talk about social distance. They, they invented social distance, okay? Uh, it's not a new thing. And they, they, not only did they have that, they had the physical problems of their, their fingers falling off, their skin being eaten away. Leprosy was a horrible defiguring. Uh, it, would, it would defigure their face. It would just, I mean, it was horrible. And th- there was no cure for this. And on top of that, you couldn't ever hug anybody. You couldn't come to church. You couldn't have a Thanksgiving meal. You couldn't do any of those things. You couldn't have intimacy with anybody, uh, not even a hug. So when they see Jesus, they're like, oh, my gosh, we might have a chance to be healed. So they cry out from the depths of their heart. This is serious stuff. Jesus, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And it says, when Jesus saw them, he said to them, This is really interesting, right? Jesus doesn't heal them on the spot. He says, go show yourself to the priest, and then you'll be healed. Now, they had to take faith that, okay, I'm going to go do that. I'm going to do what God has told me to do, even though it doesn't make a lot of sense. So on their way to going to do what Jesus told them to do, on their way to see the priest, that's when the miracle took place, right? The miracle takes place after you take a step, right? After you take a step. You can't just sit back and say, God, give me the miracle. God says, take a step. All right, so they were cleansed. Now, how many of them were cleansed, church? You remember, I got all my pinkies. Ten. Ten. Here's what happens. One of them, they were cleansed, one of them. How many? One of them, when he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice, threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And guess what? Oh, my goodness, Jesus was Jewish, and this person was the person that the Jews absolutely hated and despised. This was the person that you don't like. That person came back and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan, okay? A Samaritan, one of them. Now, let's point this out. It would have been really odd for a Samaritan to come back and have any interaction with the Jews. They hated each other. They wanted each other dead. And this person, whom the Jews hate, comes back, and he shows the proper response to the healing and Jesus says, uh, wasn't there like nine others with you? Weren't I'm not all ten cleansed? Has no one returned to praise God except for this foreigner? Ten lives. I'm talking about miraculously transformed from no hope to you're living in your house. You're back with your spouse. You've go, you're going back to church. You've got your job. You've got all these things back. And only one of them comes back to says, thanks. When I read that there's only one, you know what my response is? I want to be like that one. I want to be the one out of 10, the one out of 100. I want to be the one that is grateful. Amen? I want to be the one. That's certainly do this. Now, how do we do this? So for the next few minutes, I want to give you three statements that I think that I've been given to myself because this is something I have to work on. I'm not naturally grateful. So 
three statements that I've been going over this whole week about being grateful. And I think if you can adopt them, you'll walk out of here with a grateful heart. The first one, if you're taking notes, don't let God's gifts become givens. Don't let your gifts become givens. This is how this happens. And I've experienced this. Renee and I, when we lived in New Braunfels, we used to love to go to the Guadalupe River. We, used to go, we, we fell in love in a place called the, uh, you know, in New Braunfels there at, at Slumber Falls. And we loved to go there. And there's a local artist there named Greg Gloka. And Greg Gloka is still alive. He's an artist. And he paints pictures of the, of the Guadalupe River, Slumber Falls. He does the beach. I mean, if you look up Greg Gloka, he's online. He's a great artist. He's a wonderful artist. But he does nature scenes. Somebody knew that we love nature scenes, and they bought, actually I think it was my mom, bought us this beautiful print. Beautiful, too expensive for a painting, but they bought us a print of the painting, and then we, we got it framed. And it's just an amazing, amazing piece. And uh, it's just a little picture there. We just, we, it kind of cropped. It doesn't look as good on the screen as it does in real life. But anyhow, we put it up in our family room. And every time I walked in the family room, every time I walked in the family room, I was struck by, oh, my gosh, what a great painting. What a great painting. What a great painting. Every day for months and months. And then one day came, and I'm not sure when it was, where I walked in and I went, eh. Have you ever walked in and looked at something you used to really, really love and go, eh. Some of you are like, I do that with my spouse. Don't do that, right? Don't do that. <laughs> eh, eh. <laughs> I love you. I love you. Now, 20 years later, eh. And what has happened is the print has become a given, and I just expect to see it when I walk in. I like I expect to see walls up and a roof over my head. I just expect it. It's, it's a given. It was a gift, but now it's become a given. Are you with me? Are you with me? So when I walk in the house, it's, it's no big deal. It's, it's this unusual paradox, right? We become blind to the things that we see all the time. We don't even notice what we see all the time. I didn't notice it. It was just different, okay? Now, the reason this is important, because every good thing in your life, every good thing, and you think about all the good things you have, right? People say count your blessings like you can, but every good thing you have comes from God. James, the brother of Jesus, who didn't believe in Jesus till he saw him raised from the dead, wrote these words. Every good and perfect gift is from where? From above. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. So don't become blind to the gifts that God has given you in your life. And trust me, you can do this with loved ones. You can do this with family members where you just assume they'll always be there and you start to take them for granted. And then when they're gone, you're like, oh, my gosh, I'd give five for five more minutes with my mom. You know what I'd give? I'd give everything I owned for five more minutes with my mom. And you can do this, so don't let your gifts, even your relationship gifts, become givens. Are you hearing me? You hearing me? And now some of you, I know what you're thinking. Some of you are like, well, wait a minute, Pastor. I earned this. I worked hard. I bought the paintings in my house. My mama didn't buy it for me. And I earned this. Yeah, but who gave you the ability to do that? Who gave you your mind? Who gave you the beat of your heart, the breath in your lungs? You know, you're healthy till you're not. And everything's a gift from God, everything. And if you look at the list of Scripture... You look at all the things that people did through Scripture, but God's always the author of it, right? Noah, I want you to build an ark. Well, I don't know how to do that. Here's the plans, okay? Uh, God says to the Israelites, hey, uh, I want you to, to get 
free, get away from the Egyptians. And so they go out in the desert and they're hungry. What does God do? Provides manna. And then they complain because they don't have fajitas anymore. We don't have fajitas. Where's the chips and queso? And so God sends in quail. Now they have meat because they're from Texas. They want some meat. Come on, you would have been complaining too. And then David, I got to kill Goliath. God says, here's a stone. Jonah runs from God and is, and, and is thrown overboard, creates a storm of his own doing. God provides a fish to swallow him up and spits him up on the shore of where he needs to preach. God gave a young teenage girl, 13 years old probably, tops, the faith to say yes to having Jesus. And, and that is the, the birth of Christ, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the Lion and the Lamb, the Savior of the world. God gives supernatural peace that goes beyond our human ability to understand. God gives his Holy Spirit to comfort us, to guide us, to convict us to counsel us. God gives his word. He gives you health to bless you. He gives you friends to love you. He gives you a church family. He gives you a Thanksgiving meal. Come on, this is where you get excited. I know you're Presbyterians. But... Woo. We need to understand that God is completely good. God has always been good. God will never be nothing but good. God cannot be less than good. Everything God does is when we embrace that and we see that everything is a gift, at the very beat of our hearts is a gift from God, it changes your attitude from uh, I deserve this to I'm grateful. They did a study. I sent the study to my son, Jacob, because sometimes I've noticed that my kids, imagine this, my kids sometimes um, think that they are owed things in life. Can you imagine that? Dad, uh, I need a car. Well, are you working? No. Are you going to pay for the insurance? No. Well, you don't need a car. Dad, I need a car. Have you ever had this conversation with your kids? Oh, if you have kids, it's coming. Oh, yeah. This is why people said to me before kids, just wait. <laughs> they did a study. A Boston consultant, they, they, they interviewed a bunch of Boston grads, people with great jobs, great pedigree, great future. They got a degree from Boston University. Things are going great. They interviewed them. They said, hey, there's a word. There's a word that describes the current generation of graduates from college. It starts with an E. What are your best guesses? This is the top three guesses that Boston graduates came up with. Energetic, excellent, and empathetic. And Boston said, no, 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 we did a study. There's a different E word. It's called entitled. I sent it to my son. He didn't like it. <laughs> so don't let your gifts become a given. Number two, if you're taking notes, this is powerful, probably the most powerful point here. I will not let what I want rob me of what I already have. I will not let what I want rob me of what I already have, right? Because I know you guys admitted to it at the very beginning. You want better stuff, more better, more better. I want more better. I want better stuff, better life. I want more money. I want different things. I want a granite countertop. <laughs> That's one of the reasons we bought our house here in Corpus. I bought it for the, I have no one behind me. I have the Oso Park. I, that's, I'm like, oh, privacy. That's why I want the house. This is Renee's reason. Have you seen the kitchen and those granite countertops? You know what I said to my wife? I said, honey, the Taco Bell bag will look good on top of those granite countertops. She did not think it was funny and neither did you. Your food don't taste good on a laminate countertop. Because you all, you all are laminate going, I need granite. Mm -hmm. 
Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 6, verse 9, Solomon, one of the wisest men who ever lived, better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. Think about this. Better what you have than what you want to have. Better is what is in front of you than that which you are longing for. It's better to embrace what God has given you than always want something more or better. You know who taught me this? My dad. My dad taught me this. It was a long time ago. My mom used to make uh, pork roast, and I don't like pork roast. If you want me not to come to your house, say I'm having pork roast. I will not come. I do not like pork roast. I will not eat it in a car. I will not eat it from afar. I do not like it. (laughs) My mom served it up. I'm like 12, and I'm like, I'm little entitled 12, you know. Can you imagine that? Of course you can. Eww. This is gross. My dad's like, oh, all right. Puts the plate in the middle of the table. You can go to your room now. Now, my dad was military, so when my dad said that, that was a dismissal. Yes, sir. I went to my room. And you know what I was in my room all night? Hungry. He told me, you'll be hungry in the morning. Don't ever complain about dinner again. I didn't. Ever. I ate that pork roast like I loved it <laughs> all the time because my dad said, you know, when I was growing up, my dad was, you know, son of a rich coal miner. You ever heard of rich coal miners? Yeah. There's no rich coal miners, okay? So he was the son of a rich coal miner, right? And so my dad said, you know what we had growing up sometimes? We had bread and my, my mom would put mustard on it sometimes and that was our dinner. Here you go. So he goes, I ate a lot at school, and so don't ever complain about dinner. So whenever we adopt an attitude of gratitude, gratitude turns whatever we have into enough. Gratitude turns whatever we have into enough. It's enough. It's enough. Because if you're not enough without whatever it is you want, you'll not be enough with it. Okay? What gratitude turns, whatever we have, it's enough. Okay? And Scripture, all kinds of Scripture speaks to this. Ecclesiastes 4, 6, and I actually want us to read this together. Let's read this together. It's going to be on the screen. Better one hand full with tranquility than two hands full with toil and chasing after the wind. I wonder how many of us have one hand full and we're going for the second hand full and we're chasing after the wind and we have toil and tranquility because we're trying to get our second hand full. Are you hearing me? It's interesting. You know what the most visited home is in our country? It starts with a W. The White House. It is the most visited home in our country. But I don't find that that interesting. That's pretty, you know, normal. I would say that's normal. The, the second most visited house is what I find interesting because the second most visited house in America is from, you know him, the hunk of hunk of burning love. <laughs> uh, Elvis. Oh, thank you very much, Elvis. Come on. Elvis Presley, the second most visited house in America, $20 million a year, right? The Elvis Presley Foundation makes there uh, people coming to look at a dead guy's toys. I mean, who doesn't want to be Elvis? I'll admit it. I would love to have been Elvis. The hair. Have you ever looked at his hair when he was young? He had the best hair. I have hair envy when I look at his pictures. Y'all think that's funny? I, I think that's natural. I mean, he, he had everything. He had a music, talent. He could, he could move his hips, you know. He had power, money, prestige. The guy had everything. And to the guy that has everything, 
Jesus says these words, hey, be on your guard. Watch out against all kinds of greed because greed's not just about money because a man's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Because one day when we gather and we talk about your life and you're dead, right? And we have some potato salad afterwards, that's what's going to happen. We are not going to stand up here on the stage and go, boy, boy, they had so much stuff. My goodness, did you remember their car? Oh, man, their house was beautiful. We don't ever talk about that stuff at funerals because that's not the stuff that counts. We talk about what kind of heart you had, right? On Ash Wednesday, we put ashes on your forehead, right? And we remind you that, hey, you all go back to ashes. And if you think about it, no one at the end of their life is going to go, my pile of ashes is bigger than yours. I had more stuff than you. Elvis, Elvis, man, great singer. Listen to his gospel. I have his gospel CDs. Man, he could sing gospel. I love Elvis' gospel. Still listen to it. Had everything, but at the age of 42, lonely, depressed, and overdosed, dead. And he said, I'd give a million dollars right? We talked about a million dollars. He said, I'd give a million dollars for one day's peace. He didn't have any peace. So that's why scripture says, better one hand full with tranquility, with peace, than two hands trying to chase the wind. So gratitude turns what we have before us into enough. It's enough to recognize our blessings. And here's what I want to say, and I hope you're paying attention because this is really, really true, right? Because everyone chases, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? But it's not happy people who are grateful. It's actually grateful people who are happy. And it's a semantic twist, but it's not happy people who are grateful. It's grateful people who are happy because better is what I have than what I am longing for. Better what the eyes see than the roving of the appetite. So I'm not going to let what I want rob me of the blessings that God has already given me, okay? Now, think about this. Think about what you have. Just the normal person in our church today, and I say normal person, whether you're 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock, and there are two different demographics, trust me, okay? Most of you today, if you want, will have three meals. Some of you will have four and five. You should stop at three, okay? Now, everyone in this room, everyone in this room, I would venture to say, can afford to go and pay someone else to cook your food and bring it to a table that you're sitting at. Now, you think about that. You've got a bed to sleep in. You've got clothes to wear. Thank goodness, please, because that's our dress code here at Grace. Put something on, okay? Most of you have got more than one pair of shoes, where most people, over 50% of the world, doesn't even have a pair of shoes. You've got shoes, shoes to work out in, shoes to wear to church, Some of you have dedicated shoes to mow your yard in if you still mow your yard. Some of you have shoes, indoor shoes, outdoor shoes. And I got married to Renee. She had three rubber maids. I said, what's the first one? Shoes. Second one, shoes. I said, let me get the third one. Shoes. Got to have shoes for different outfits. Guys were much simpler. Brown, black, tennis shoes. But shoes. If you make minimum wage... If you make minimum wage in America, a lot of debate about minimum wage right now, rather than what's minimum wage. If you make old school minimum wage, I'm talking about $7.25, you're making approximately 32 times more the average wage of half the people alive today on the planet Earth. 
you're making 32 times more. And most of you have a phone. You have a phone, and my kids can't get their head around this. Old days, the phones were attached to a wall with a cord. You pressed a rotary dial. Remember this? And all your phone did was talk and listen. That's it. Today, your phone does much more than talk. You can send a satellite signal up to the sky, and a pizza lands at your door. If you had told me that when I was in high school, no way is that possible. And most of you are so blessed, you actually upgrade things that are already working. It's working, but hey, there's a newer, better thing. I mean, I got to get iOS 15 because that's the new thing that's working. So you take a working thing and you upgrade the working thing to make it more better. I got to have the upgrade. Dad, the iPhone 13's out. I got to have it. What's wrong with your old phone? Nothing, but I got to upgrade. Most of you have your health right now. You have health without pain. Some of you can travel. Most of you have great friends around you. Some of you have people that you love here. And that's amazing. That's the community. That's church. Paul said in Philippians 4, and Paul had it all and lost it all and gave it all for Christ. Paul said, you know what? I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. That's a powerful statement. He says, I know what it is to be in need. Yeah. And he did, and I know what it is to be in plenty and have plenty. And some of you have been in both those camps. And he said, I learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. And his secret, here's his secret, he just says, you know what? As long as I have Christ, that's it. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. All things, right? And that's a place, when he got to a place where all he needed was Christ, And that's why he was willing to die for Christ. Until Christ is all that you have, you may not ever know that Christ is all you ever need. And that's the truth. And when you get to that place, suddenly everything you have is a tremendous blessing. And I can do all things through Christ. Whether I have a little or a lot, Christ is what matters. Christ is what satisfies me. Christ is what I need. So we can choose this. Gratitude is definitely an attitude. We can choose it. People feel entitled. They can feel that way. It's their choice. But you can say, you know what? Every good thing I have is from God. Number three, if you're taking notes, here we go. Are you ready? Say amen. Amen. All right. I will turn every blessing I have into praise. We'll turn every blessing I have into praise. Because here's what happens to me. If I don't turn every blessing into praise, what happens is I turn those blessings into pride. And pride means what? I earned this, I deserve it, I work harder than you do, and I need this. That's pride. I know none of you would ever have that. But God, I went to church, I deserve better. God, you got to give it to me. God, I'm working hard. I deserve more. And that's the temptation if we don't take every blessing and turn it into praise. And you know who teaches this? If you read the Psalms, David teaches this. And David had it all. He is a king. He is a king. Psalm 63, 4 through 5, David says to God, I will praise you, God, as long as I live. How long? As long as I live, God. And in your name, I will lift up your hands. I'm going to surrender to you, God. That's what he did. And he said this, I will be fully satisfied, God, because of your goodness. I'm not wanting anything else. I'm fully satisfied. As with the richest of foods, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you, God. That's David, the king, the king who had a lot of temptation to be full of pride. Sits on a throne. Everybody worships you. Whatever you say is law. David, 
I'll praise you. I'm going to turn every blessing back into praise. So how do we get thankful and praise God? I'll give you a little exercise. Are you with me? Say amen. I'm going to give you a little story that will help you illustrate this. One time back when I did uh, youth ministry, I took a group of kids on a mission trip, and we went to uh, Florida. Now, I like Florida. I like, uh, I like Destin, Florida in particular. You ever been to Destin? No? Yeah, that's pretty nice. I mean, you, I mean the beaches here are nice, but Destin's like a whole other level of nice, all right? So I thought we need to go help those rich people in Destin. That's what I thought. Those rich people need some, some mission work. And they had had hurricanes because Florida has hurricanes. So they had a hurricane, and there was uh, this group. There was, it was a place called Group Source. They do a lot of youth ministry stuff. And basically, they set up the trip for you. You show up with a group of kids, 7 a.m. in the morning. You work till about 2 with a lunch. And then it's time for the beach. This is my idea of a mission trip, okay? You work, and then fun in the sun. Anyone signing up? Yeah? All right. So we get there, and if you've ever been to Florida, you know this can happen. We get there, the sun shines real nice and bright the entire work morning. We go out to the beach to, for the afternoon, rain all the first day. So I look at Renee, I'm like, what are the odds this can happen tomorrow? Very good. Same thing happens. Every time we go to the beach, second day, third day, fourth day, it's raining. And I mean, it's miserable raining. I mean, like cold, like we don't want to go swim, Pastor. This, this is terrible. We don't like mission trips. Wah, wah. So the fifth day, the last day we're there, I'm like, okay, please, Lord, I, I'm not going to cuss anymore. Just give us some sunshine. And so the fifth day we're there, and the sun is shining, and there's happiness, and we're out, and we're like, okay, kids, we're going to swim. Now, I'm worried about riptides. I'm worried about kids drowning because I'm responsible for these kids. So I'm like, everybody get a buddy, have a system. And we had one little kid in the group, and, and, and he's in the group. Look at the youth group back there doing the time things. I see your time. Yeah, I see you. <laughs> Don't be applauding that. I hear some of you like, yeah, it's time to wrap this up, Pastor. Anyhow... Back to the story. Speaking of youth group, yeah. Speaking of youth group, there was a kid in the group. His name was Bobby. But Bobby was short and kind of weird and kind of goofy, and so we all called him Buki. I know it's weird, but every, his nickname was Buki, all right? And so he was part of the group, and he was short, and so we told him, make sure you have a buddy. Don't go in the deep water, Buki, because you'll drown. So we all go out. We're swimming, and we're having a good time, and we're splashing, and I'm having fun, and I kind of forget where I'm at, you know, and I'm just like, woo, and like 20 minutes go by, and then I start doing a head count, and I'm like, and I get down to it, and we're missing one. I'm like, oh, my gosh, everybody's in the water. Oh, my gosh, I have not seen anybody get out of the water. Who drowned? And so I'm like, looking around, who's got your buddy? And guess who doesn't have a buddy? A buki is missing. Buki's gone underwater, apparently. So I'm like panicked. I'm like, oh, my God, I had this vision. Uh, how'd the youth group trip go, Pastor? Oh, great, except your son's dead. That's good. That's a real good phone call to make, yeah. It was really, he really gave all in the trip, yeah. Not a good thing to say, not a good phone call. So I am absolutely sheer panic, anxiety, thinking about catching a flight to Cuba, okay? That's where I'm at. And we're all like, where's Buki? Where's Buki? Where's Buki? Where's Buki? Everybody seen Buki? Have you seen Buki? Other people are coming from other people we don't even know. They're looking for Buki. They don't know what he looks like, but they're looking for him. Everybody's looking for Buki. And then up over the sand dunes, all of a sudden appears Buki, and he's pulling up his pants. 
Buki had to take a dookie. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't tell anybody that he had to take a dookie. He's back there. He's like all nonchalant. What, what's, what's the problem? And I'm like, praise Jesus. Praise the Lord for the dookie that saved Buki. Yes. And I'm the happiest person there. I don't care if it rains or sunshine. Why? Nothing has changed except for my perspective. So here's an exercise you can do. I've done this. Think of something that you have and pretend like you just lost it. Okay, your job. You just, you just lost your job. You're now unemployed. Your health, bad news for you. You have stage four cancer. Someone you love, someone you love, your best friend, just got killed in a car wreck. I'm sorry, they're not coming back. Now, take something like that and pretend like you lost it. Now pretend like you didn't lose it and you got it back. I didn't lose my job. I didn't like my job, but I still have my job. Great. I don't have cancer. I've got life. I can live. My best friend didn't die. It was a mistake. They're still alive. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. Don't miss the power of this, right? Take something you take for granted every single day because you become blind to it. Every single day you see the painting and pretend you just lost it, then pretend like you got it back. What have you done? You've not let God's gifts become a given. Suddenly you start thanking God for all the things you already have because you have so much to be thankful for. God, thank you for my health. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for a place to worship. Thank you for my Bible study. Thank you for my car that barely gets me there, but it's my car. When you do this all of a sudden, it's not, I'm tired of my car. It's thank you for my car. I'm tired of my house. My house is always a wreck. Well, God, thank you that I have kids and a spouse and blessings that make my house a wreck. I'm so busy, busy, busy. Well, thank you, God, that I'm busy, that I'm being productive, that I have a job, that I have these things to do. I'm thankful for the opportunity to be busy. But my house is so small, but thank you, God, for my house. Thank you. You see the reverse, see the perspective, right? When the rest of the world wants to tear everything down, the rest of the world wants to say, you're going to hell in a handbasket, quit watching the bias, your favorite bias news, because all the news is bias. Quit watching it so much. Make your own news. That's what this series is about. Rewrite your own story. Rewrite your own headline. Because we've got a really, really good God. And we recognize everything good comes from God. We're not going to let what we want rob us of the blessings we've already been given. And we're not going to have roving eyes. And we're not going to have, try to have two hands full. We're going to be content with one handful. And this is exactly what David did in Psalm 103, which is a Thanksgiving psalm. David said, let all that I am, everything. When you say that, let all that I am, that all that I am, from the depths of my heart and soul, I'm going to praise the Lord. And then David says, may I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives my sins, heals my diseases. He redeems me from death, crowns me with tender mercies. What does he do? He fills up my cup, and my cup runs over, David says in the 23rd Psalm. Okay, that's what he says, and I'm grateful now, and because I'm grateful, now I'm happy. And this is where you get excited and say, amen, come on, come on. Let me close with this. Are you still with me? Amen? Amen. This is the title of this message. We're in the second series. I know you don't look at titles, but I do. Uh, It is rewrite your story, and there's no such thing. No such thing as what? Well, if your neighbor's been sleeping, give them a nudge, wake them up. Everyone gather around. 30 seconds here. This is really important. I went to see a gentleman this last week. He's not with our church. And one of the prayers I always have prayed, and I prayed it from day one. It's the reason I went into ministry, is I said, God, I need to see you. God, I want to believe in you as much as I believe in gravity. So you got to show me. you got to show me you're real. Show me. And sometimes God shows up in the weirdest places when you pray that prayer. So here I'm at this guy's house. 
He's 53 years old. 53. Now, I used to think when I'm 30, 53 is old. I'm 51. 53 ain't old no more. 53 is young. He's 53. He's got a wife. He's got kids. Kids are like my age and my kids' age. He's got a job. He's pretty blessed, except he's already fought and beat cancer three times. And now he's, now he's encountered the fourth time. Four times he's gone through the rounds. Four times. And he's battling. So we talked a little bit. And ironically enough, on Cowboys Sunday, we talked about the Cowboys because he's a Cowboys fan. And I had to sit there and smile and go, yeah, they're pretty decent this year. And I did not want to say that. (laughs) And so we talked about the weather and we talked about the nonsense that people talk about. But then we got the reason why I'm there, which is his soul and his life and his battle with cancer. And he was battling pain. He was in a little bit of pain. I could tell he was grimacing from pain because when you have cancer, it can be painful. And I looked at him, and I asked him a question. It was a simple question. I said, are you having a bad day? Have you ever had somebody say that to you? Are you having a bad day? Having a bad day? People have asked you that. Are you having a bad day? And sometimes you say, yeah, it's been the worst day. But his response was right from God. His response was God speaking to me. His response took my spiritual breath away. His response, he says, no, I'm not having a bad day. Because when the doctors tell you you only have three months to live, there's no such thing as a bad day. No such thing as a bad day on this side of heaven. And I thought, wow, every day is a gift. And that's why the psalmist says, this is the day the Lord's made. We're going to rejoice and we're going to be glad in it. Because there's no such thing as a bad day. And even when you die, you're going to be okay because you're going to eternal life in a place that Christ has prepared for you because there's no such thing as a bad day. And I thought, thank you, God, for speaking to me today through someone that I needed to hear because God can show up. And sometimes you need to hear it. Let's pray. God of grace, we give thanks for this time of the year in which we pause and we remember and we reflect on all the things that you've given us. The relationships, help us not to take them for granted. Help our gifts, God, in those gifts of people and relationships not to become givens because we, we know what it's like to lose those ones and, and loved ones that they're not going to be at the table this year, and we want more than anything for them to be at the table. So those that are at the table, we're going to appreciate them. We're going to love them. Despite all their imperfections and all their flaws, we're going to love them as they love us, and we're not going to take them for granted And we're not going to take all the physical things you give us, every good thing, God. And we're not going to let what we want. We all have some wants, but we're not going to let that rob us of what we already have. And God, everything that you've given to us, we're going to let that just become a praise and not a pride. We're going to let that become a thank you instead of I I deserve this or I earned this. We're going to have an attitude of gratitude, not of entitlement. So, Father, help us. I need help in this in my own heart. And help each of us, help all of us online that are watching right now to have that heart of gratitude. And maybe it takes us saying, pretending that we've lost it and then we got it back. Maybe that's a way we can do that. So, Father, help us. And we pray this in the name of Jesus who taught us as we say now together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be the name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our day of bread. And forgive us debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For in his kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen.
So let's stand now in this closing song and do what David did. Let's praise God with all that I am.